Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Caged In Podcast, a weekly podcast where me, your host, Petros Patsilvis, takes a journey through the career of Nicolas Cage with a chosen guest where we talk about their journey through Cage and their relationship to him through his filmography. And this week I'll be talking to Jonathan Foster, the host of the Pod Charles Cinecast, which is associated with the Prince Charles Cinema. We will get deep down into everything about the Prince Charles in this episode. And this episode is much more than just the Nicolas Cage Appreciation Podcast. This is very much an appreciation of cinema and the experience of cinema. And especially in these times that we're going through right now, something that is sorely missed throughout the film community. And very much in this conversation, we talk about the joys in which cinema can bring us and it brings us together and I'll, I'll, I'll get into the episode because we really deep dive into all of that stuff and just what makes cinema great. But before we talk about the frozen ground and I get into this episode with the fantastic conversation with Jonathan, there's something that's been missing the last couple of weeks occasion, and that is a trip to my friend, the Anagram Hunter. As always, you can find the Anagram Hunter on Twitter at thomas underscore w underscore hunter and the anagram he has this week is fred gonzo hunter so the frozen ground fred gonzo hunter i can already tell you this has nothing to do with the frozen ground whatsoever it doesn't it doesn't reveal anything about who the killer actually is we learn that within the first five minutes of the film but this is also Thomas's paternal grandfather's actual name, which I'm not going to lie, is a fantastic name. Fred Gonzo Hunter. Already, the words Gonzo and Hunter remind me of Hunter S. Thompson. And I'm like, wow, Gonzo Hunter. I will have that slice of bread any day so that is this week's anagram we won't be talking about it at the end because it has nothing to do with the film but it's a fantastic anagram so please hit him up on twitter for all of your anagram needs so yeah let's get into this episode and enjoy the conversation i had with jonathan foster and i'll chat to you at the end This week, I'm trying to get to the bottom of a crime. A man with a prolific career, and even when it looks like he's being pursued, he still has no signs of stopping. That very much could be the basis of this podcast, Nicolas Cage's career, but it is also the plot of this week's film. Nicolas Cage is on the good side of the law in pursuit of my old friend John Cusack in this true crime thriller, The Frozen Ground. Like all good detectives, I have a partner to solve this case. From the Pod Charles Cinecast, Jonathan Foster. How are you, Jonathan? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm not doing too bad. How are you? I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I found this, this film a difficult one because I've kind of done some research into it and like kind of looked at the real-life case that this is based on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is... I feel like those nerds who go on about like Lord of the Rings and like Harry Potter and uh, you know like 
pushing up their glasses going well it's not as good as the book yeah like and i i know that's a weird comparison to to say like oh it's it's not as good as the real crimes like i just <laughs> yeah. no no you're you're I, pretty spot on with that i think because like i think like when you asked me if i wanted to come on and uh you were asking which films and i'm just looking through and uh i'm like you know debating on um mom and dad and frozen ground and I was just like, oh, I like a bit of true crime. Let's go for Frozen Grounds. And now I've kind of wish I'd gone mom and dad because, yeah, you're pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely not. I, yeah, I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I admit to being a bit of a true crime nerd and, um, you know, not obsessively, but, you know, I like it. And I listen to podcasts and look into it and watch documentaries and stuff sometimes. And this is just, yeah, this ain't quite it. Well, but. true. True crime is very much like in 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 the kind of common parlance now, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. kind of everybody's got their favorite yeah. true crime podcast Definitely. or and and even even watching this, even like TV, like we have like Mindhunter mm -hmm. and stuff like that on Netflix. So people are kind of ingesting all all of that, and then I couldn't help like with this movie to kind of think of. Uh, is it Insomniac, the uh, Christopher Nolan oh, yeah, film yeah, yeah. with Robin Williams? Because mm -hmm. it's that kind of set in like a like a snowbound like wilderness, and it is that that thing of yeah, like killer and like cop, like battle of wits. But yeah, definitely. I don't know if if the, yeah. But before 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 we go too deep into talking about this film, I always ask my. Uh, guests uh, yeah a few questions up front just kind of understand where they are in the kind of broad spectrum of Nicolas Cage mm -hmm. and first question is always are you a Nicolas Cage fan uh that's always that's kind of a funny question I guess um yeah somewhat you know like I'm the type of person who if I see a Cage films coming out if I see the trailer and I like think it looks pretty wild and you're gonna get like you know I guess a bit of a Cage spectacular time you know it's gonna be uh a fun time and i'm like yeah i'm down for this and then sometimes you'll see a trailer and just kind of like yeah it looks like a miss so it's kind of funny but i do like nick cage a lot he's pretty funny um very entertaining actor he's sort of like you know in, in vein of like things like keanu reeves you know people like that like where you know you're probably gonna have a pretty good time watching his films not all of his films are great but you know he's not always terrible in the films that are bad anyway so yeah yeah and i i i always find that it's, it's amazing that you make that comparison to keanu reeves because there is kind of these stalwarts of like cinema that you can kind of put nicholas cage up against and kind of there is a fork in the road in his career at one yeah. point that he he could have gone the way of other actors whether it is a uh, keanu reeves he could have had that that career or he could have gone the I don't know the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, route in 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 one in one regard, or yeah, I I look at this this weird comparison a lot of time of like him and Tom Cruise and the fact that one of them is perceived to to be crazy and might not be crazy, and one of them seems to seems seems to be perceived as like an all right guy, and I think in all actuality is a is a nut job, and <laughs> yeah. I think. I, I, I think I'm yeah, not I really think sure which one you're talking their... about is which. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's 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 open for interpretation, yeah. but uh, um, 
yeah. Any given day. Fuck it. I'll say it. Tom Cruise is the nut job. Oh, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. I'm going to get it out there. 100%. I mean, I, I, I figured that's where you're going, but, you know, any day yeah. of the week, you could kind of be either or. Because, I mean, Nicolas Cage, I mean, I don't know. That dude's wild. But, I mean, maybe it's a fun kind of wild. You know, at least he's not like a Scientologist, I guess. So, <laughs> well, yeah, from, from like kind of doing this journey and like watching all his films and like watching interviews with him, it all kind of weirdly seems. Like he is having fun, mm. and obviously there is, there is this glaring thing of like him being chased by the tax man around two thousand and nine. Yeah, hence why his output like markedly increases. Yeah, in that like I think half of the movies he's he's ever released in like his I don't know it's got to be like a thirty year career have all come out in ten years. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, he's overextending himself, buying like castles and like uh, haunted houses in New Orleans and shit, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a ca- he's got a castle in Bath. Uh, he had like, uh, well, what's her name? Um, yeah, he had uh, the woman Kathy Bates played in uh, American Horror Story, like uh, the one set in New Orleans. Yeah, like that that life woman. Uh, I I get her confused with Marie Laveau, but that's obviously. Uh, Angela Bassett's character. Uh, anyway, yeah, he owned that house. Mm. He owned a dinosaur skull that yeah. turned out to be like was robbed from like Ecuador. <laughs> and yeah, f- funny enough, he he outbid Leonardo DiCaprio in a bid in that. And it's like I, I I like to I like to always think like in the way that Leonardo DiCaprio plays it safe a lot with his roles and works only with kind of oscar baiting directors like yeah there's a there's a good like parallel between that auction and their careers in that cage is happy to take the risk and maybe pay the extra million dollars for a for a uh for a skull whereas leonardo dicaprio is like no i'll, I'll play it safe I, I don't need another skull like, yeah he, uh leo's a better I'll politician just, I'll, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cage is a more of a wild man. Now. Yeah. So, what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing? Uh, I have like vague memories of watching like things with my mother as a child. Like my mom was really into uh, like rom com films and stuff. So it's funny. Like as I got older, I was a bit like a little bit more like you know oh, I don't like rom-coms, but now as an adult, I'm just totally all for them and I love them. So I, I have vague memories of early fil- Cage films like Valley Girl um, and Moonstruck, and then also like a bit of Raisin Arizona, which is, you know, sort of a not really quite a rom-com, but it has those elements. But the one I can really remember watching like all the way through was It Can Happen to You, like really young, which I, to this day, just still love a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and also yeah it's, it's oh sorry i was just gonna say i also remember watching like honeymoon in vegas as well um which is but, but, not quite the same as leaving las vegas <laughs> yeah yeah that, that that that's that's come up yeah. that's come up before on on this like i mm. guess saying that was their first entry point and that yeah, yeah. um but yeah it could happen to you fun like i really fun really fun film i, yeah. I always love to see rosie perez as well yeah i just don't yeah. think she was like anyone amazing back then like i mean she's still amazing now for sure but like back then she had like a few films back to back that were just so incredible 
So yeah. Well, yeah, I, I recently listened to the Beastie Boys book and uh, she's like one of the contributors. She like reads like some of the chapters in it and it's just like such a breath of fresh air to mm. hear her voice again. Yeah. Like I I think it's ingrained in my brain just like uh, like her in uh, White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, and definitely. Really? Really? <laughs> that yeah. is like that. It's just like forever like ingrained in my mind. But yeah, those, that's a weird like kind of, I don't know, entry point for Cage. Obviously, like, around that time in his career, there was a lot of those, like, rom-coms. But... Yeah. He hadn't quite gone yeah, this, crazy this... yet. You know, like, he was still, I guess, sort of, like, making his stance in Hollywood. Like, you know, getting into a little bit more serious roles. I mean... Yeah. I mean, obviously, he did, like, uh, Vampire's... Uh, did he do Vampire's Kiss back in the 80s as well? Like, like 88 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, that's, like... So, well, yeah, that had a, yeah. I think it was like that's a very, very tempestuous story with that. I think it was like f- filmed in '86, but didn't end up coming out till like '89 or oh, something okay, yeah. like that. But yeah, like that is well, that's cited as his favorite movie he's <laughs> yeah. ever done. Yeah, I've so, seen that before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, which is cool. I, I mean, know what you mean. Film. I know what you mean about that thing that he's like around that time. He didn't really. I don't know. Uh, oh, I do know. Yeah, of course. Uh, he did. He 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 hadn't kind of settled into that mold of the cage that people either love or hate today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I always find it really interesting that he kind of never had that heartthrob stage. He kind of like even in those like rom coms, he plays almost like quite a a, a modern guy in that the fact that he's just like the everyman as opposed yeah, to yeah. like the Matthew. The Matthew McConaughey shirtless, do you know what I mean? Like dead sexy, like le- leaning against his co-star on the poster. Like yeah. Cage was just kind of, I don't know, uh, honeymoon in Vegas. I always just remember he plays like a PI, I believe, or like just yeah. this kind of like, I don't know. But there's always they're always fun because you always get those glimpses of the madman that is Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> So it leads me on to my third question that I always ask: Is what's your favorite Nick Cage film? Do you do you, do you hold one up as um, a favorite? I mean, I was incredibly uh, impressed and loved Mandy when that came out recently. But I would say probably my all-time favorite is Raisin Arizona. Like it's got like I think like everything you could want from Nick Cage in it. Like uh, yeah, where it's got like the crazy side and stuff, you know. Um, and just the the nice guy side. So you got like the lovable nice guy that you could find and it can happen to you. Or if you want the incredible bad boy side, like from Wild at Heart, it's there too. So, I mean, it's like this really nice package of I think what sells him the best. It's, I, I, I cite that as like, that is the first truly like Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah. Like, because up until that point, it was a lot of like, there were there were glimmers of it. Like we kind of got him going out on a whim, doing the mad voice in Peggy Sue Got Married. Mm-hmm. And like, you could see that he was willing to take those risks. But like, that one was just like, right, he has taken something. And uh, yeah, a guest of my, a, a previous guest mentioned that one of his biggest influences was like cartoons. So like, kind of, uh, and that's why he insisted that he had the uh, Woody Woodpecker tattoo is that he was kind of trying to he wanted to be like 
a real life cartoon character like the wild hair and just his the way he acted in that movie just is ramped up to 11 constantly and i think yeah i think a lot of him though like really just comes from like the kind of director that he has as well you know like i always feel like his best roles are just always just like with the directors that like know exactly what he can do and just like let him do it and uh aren't afraid to like push it like i mean if you think about raising arizona the coen brothers they like they're not afraid to like well they're brilliant writers as well and Mm -hmm. brilliant story storytellers and directors and they always have like the best cinematographers and so their films are always just so good looking and then you add in like their ability to just kind of push the boundaries on certain actors that they know could give you like a really wild performance i mean just thinking about like the big lebowski with jeff bridges and and john goodman i mean like just really letting them push it and that's the same thing with raising arizona and nick cage and i mean the same could be said with like wild at heart it's like almost that's kind of like the same character but he's just if he went down the batter road you know like if he like didn't have like a nice bone in his body like he does in raising arizona like wild at heart like david lynch just like really pushes it and it's i mean he pushes everything so i mean it's just like (laughs) phenomenal but yeah (laughs) yeah well that's that's really interesting that you're saying like him working with the right directors i think that's what's really interesting about his career now Mm -hmm. it's like you mentioned mandy um which i believe the pcc had like did a screening for the london film festival right for that was that uh or or i'm trying to remember did i read that wrong uh we (laughs) we might have i'm trying to remember exactly what happened with that like we might have had a screening i can't remember i know we had it with color out of space recently yeah well that that launched off like a series of screenings but mandy was a funny one but it it could have been during lff but i remember yeah because that would put it out in october which was roughly when it came out but it was like this weird thing where like no cinemas wanted to touch it like i think they just thought oh we're not going to make any money off of this this is like you know whatever and it's going straight to you know home release and all that sort of stuff so usually when that happens cinemas don't want to touch it because they know it's coming out like in a week or something like that and we were like well we'll play it and (laughs) it turned out to be like gangbusters for us i mean it was amazing how how much people were like so into coming to see that at the Prince Charles and then like no one was showing it anywhere else in town. And then finally some cinema started to like pop in and get a few screenings here and there. But like we were the only place in the West end that was showing it and you know, we reaped the rewards. (laughs) Yeah. So at the time of its release, I was living in Brighton. So like I had like, there was luckily, I think there was like one screening like they had, which was like, I think it was uh, Picture House do like a kind of midnight madness, they call it, where they mm. just kind of do like what they deem to be like, I don't know, like not extreme cinema, but do you know what I mean? Something yeah. of like a Mandy ilk that is yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, it's a midnight it was, movie. It was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, like it is, it, it, it runs, it, you, cut, you cut that film's veins and it bleeds midnight movie. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you mentioning the, uh, yeah, the Prince Charles cinema. So what is like, I've I've looked back at the kind of like roster of Nicolas Cage <laughs> stuff you guys have uh, have like done over the last few years, mm-hmm. and like there's been some amazing stuff. And obviously, yeah, like 
how would how would you describe like the PCC to people who don't don't know what it is really? Uh, all right. So the PCC is the Prince Charles Cinema. Uh, no relation to Prince Charles, I don't think. I don't know. We're trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Why they called it that? But you know, it used to be a theater. But yeah, I mean, like. Prince Charles Cinema, man, it's it's just like a weird place for it's it's in the middle of the West End, so you have all the big theaters and all the big cinemas. Um, it's sort of it's like an independent place. It's sort of a place that you know you that shouldn't exist over there, but it does, and it is going to play all the stuff from your childhood, everything that you love, uh, everything that you hold near and dear to your heart, but that sounds like pretty vague because you know it's it's like you as a person you could be 20 you could be 30 you could be 40 you could be 50 and odds are we're going to be playing something that's going to be near and dear to your heart from your childhood and that's the kind of program we have it's all you know ranging from all eras of of cinema uh it's going to be cult hits it's going to be classics there's going to be sing-alongs you know it's it's basically show everything we just really love movies and uh, we like to get films that don't get a chance to get a lot of shine, like a little bit more shine as well. So, well, well yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk from personal experience. Like one one of my experiences from the Prince Charles Cinema. My, well, my first experience was watching uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, but yeah. it was a quote along uh, <laughs> yeah. screening. And like for me, like that movie it, again. You you mentioning stuff from your childhood. That was something like, yeah, I, I grew up with an older brother and sister, and especially my sister, like that film was on hard rotation, and whether I liked it or not, became just like what like one that I looked on fondly from that time, and to like go to a screening like that was amazing to kind of yeah you 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 kind of like let 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 get let people relive like their childhood, in, yeah definitely in, in fun and like a joyous way and yeah with, with the cage stuff like just some of the screenings here it's like i think it was two thousand september 2016 there's the nick cage exploitation yeah. all-nighter <laughs> i don't remember obviously the, something i don't remember the lineup for that but i do remember doing that one because uh we were like laughing about the title like calling it cage exploitation was just like <laughs> the best title possible i mean yeah. i think vampires kiss con air the rock uh face off maybe wild at heart or something like that was in it so yeah it was you, pretty you, you, yeah you've you've hit it on the money yeah yeah <laughs> that is that is that is what i've got written here yeah that is that, that that's impressive yeah. and then it last august just a double uh well triple bill of the rock con air and face off which obviously a lot of people cite as kind of the 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 nicholas cage triple bill and yeah like, amazing that that those movies came out in like succession of each other as well, kind of solidifying him very much as like a household name. Yeah, um, it was like a two-year period as well, which is wild. Like, yeah, um, which is yeah. I was just gonna say that's I, a pretty like popular triple feature at the cinema, so we try to do that a lot um, when we can. So that one's gonna be like our go-to. So obviously, with everything like, yeah, I, I imagine. H- how is it for you guys at, at the moment? Like, obviously, cinema is like it's a great loss to 
to everyone. I know, I know, like myself, like I'm, a, I'm an avid cinema goer. Like, how, how, how is it for you guys at the moment over the Prince Charles? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty tough right now. I mean, we we're just like we're kind of in the same boat, I guess, as everyone else. Um, we don't really know <laughs> exactly like when we're going to be able to reopen just yet. Um, we're trying to plan as much as we can ahead of time for how we reopen and how we're going to deal with social distancing and all that um, and be as safe as possible. But at the same time, like we need some guidance from uh, the government and stuff as well to like how businesses should be implementing that. And uh, until that happens, I guess we're kind of like in a bit of a clueless state, but I mean, we are trying, um, uh, you know, we're looking into things as much as we can like what you know the theater associations and all that sort of stuff are saying around yeah, yeah. London. and i think we're gonna kind of be playing like uh you know watch and see how like some of the bigger chains and stuff start to open and what kind of things they implement we'll see what happens i mean um it's kind of like day to day because things change every day and we don't really know what's gonna happen oh. but it's scary though i mean like the thing is i think people will be very much keen to come back to see us. I think some people who work for us might be afraid that like, oh, well, you know, because, you know, like younger generations, they're starting to like move past cinema anyway. And like, I I don't necessarily 100% believe me saying that, like, because I think young people are still like keen to go see cinema, but like they obviously don't have as much money and being able to watch things at home and all that sort of stuff really like, you know, just the internet's wild. So um, they can stream things and they can see things. And now, you know, film companies are just putting stuff out straight to on-demand services and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, people are going to watch things that way. But we fear that, like, you know, hey, they might not come back. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I think people are very keen to come back. But it's like, can you survive if you can only let a certain amount of people in? I mean, it's almost like not being open. So it's kind of a uh, yeah, well- scary well, especially like for you guys, like it is that thing that you have kind of made a name and carved out the the niche that you sh- like. Your programming is a lot of stuff that people can just watch at home anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I I could easily like curate a night where I watch The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, but it's it's that kind of sense of community and just like that feeling of like-mindedness that mm-hmm. that you get you get with like yeah an amazing like establishment like the prince charles which like i've 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 always like every time i've come it's always it's always been a joy and just to just any time in the west end and like I, I walk past like the and see the marquee which obviously is something that you guys are, are famous for right yeah. like the kind of stuff stuff yeah, stuff that's written out on the front yeah. that kind of is always eye grabbing and uh, um, yeah, just really gets people talking. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what is it currently? It's uh, I'll be back, right? Uh, we'll be back. Yeah, I will be back. Sorry. We are we are thinking <laughs> of like what we're gonna do when we can reopen. Like, what's our messaging gonna be? Obviously, like our Amazing. readograph is a big important <laughs> part of that. But yeah, uh-huh. it's been nice to see that like take off a bit, like since we've shut down and a lot of you know people picked up on that message and stuff and it's been like a readograph that's been shared out a lot so that's been really sweet it's been nice like people are really excited 
for us to come back and that's great and like we've just been trying to do as much as we can like to keep people informed and keep people engaged online like our emails and stuff is we've been you know working really hard uh just come up with games and fun things to keep people invested in us and uh trying to get people to support us via our memberships and stuff because that's the only way we can really like stay afloat right now and uh obviously the podcast trying really hard to just you know keep a voice out there for the cinema and keep some fun going with talking about films because i mean that's all we can really do right now so (laughs) (laughs) well i i know very much when your doors open that i don't know like yeah the like-minded people who probably listen to this as well like i i i know a good few people who who very much miss the prince charles cinema yeah I, i i i'm very much one of them and uh I'm kind of saddened to read last night when I was uh, looking at kind of the programming you've done. It looks like it's unlikely to happen, but for the 21st of June, you had a national treasure double bill <laughs> yeah, yeah. planned, which, which, which all is is like really, really hits me in a sweet spot. Mm. That that those two films, they just they always manage to kind of bring me joy, like no other Nicolas Cage films. I don't know if it's the kind of trifecta of Nicolas Cage campy action adventure fun and kind of miss like the 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 unknown mysteries and stuff like that like the the Indiana Jones with with Cage in the in the lead role basically yeah I mean it's sort of like a formula that shouldn't work but it just does (laughs) like you know when yeah like that description of that you gave of National Treasure you're just thinking of Nicolas Cage is just kind of like he shouldn't be in that role, but you know he pulls it off. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, we we've had that requested a lot, um, mostly from staff members, <laughs> to be honest. Like, and uh, over the years, and this is the first time since I've been there that it's actually happening, and uh, it's a shame. But we're trying really hard. Anything that's been canceled because of this pandemic, we're gonna like try to get it back into the program. Not everything because that's kind of hard, but you know we're trying as much yeah. as we can. I mean, some things are like pushed all the way into 2021 now, but you know it is going to come back. So hopefully that one will as well. Amazing. Well, I'll, I'll I will certainly be there, clutching a uh, a printed out copy of the Declaration of Independence. Sounds <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good. Amazing. Uh, so I guess yeah, I guess we should talk about the frozen ground. Yeah. So it's, it's Nick Cage and John Cusack back on screen together since con air but it's it's a role reversal right because obviously cage paid the convict in that and uh john cusack was the lawman but now it's now it's cages hunting down cusack uh which yeah i i I don't i don't have a massive beef with john cusack but uh uh yeah whilst doing this podcast i i I, I got blocked by John Cusack on Twitter. Uh, oh, really? Is... I was going to ask you, you, because you said your friend John Cusack, and I was, I was like, "What's that?" And then you've been blocked by him. Okay, so yeah, it's um, well, it's it's kind of a, a very a very like weird story in that um, I I like one of my guests mentioned on the podcast that he got blocked by John Cusack. He, t- he told the story of it, which is a very like innocuous story of just like I like he added him and like talked about a, f- a, f- a film he was in, like not in a disparaging way at all. And uh, 
John Cusack kind of took umbrage to it and, and blocked him. And it was kind of all like low level stuff. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, and then just as like very much like this podcast, I, I wear my tongue firmly in my cheek and, um, call it, yeah, call it the naivety of like early podcasting. I think it was like a very early episode as well. So, um, I don't know. I just thought any, any kind of like any way to get people, like listening i i i I just fired out a tweet like listen to this week's episode to to find out how my guest like martin got blocked by john cusack um well it it seems that john cusack is a man that i guess looks up his name a lot on twitter um because he 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 read that tweet and like retweeted it and I, I was I was just watching Catfish, the TV show of all things, and I, I remember I just remember like my phone just like blowing up, like because it wasn't just John Cusack who had like responded. I just had like a deluge of like his fans piling on and wow. just like calling me a, a a piece of shit and uh, like I I like. Don't, like yeah i was like oh shit i didn't really ask for this like well may- maybe maybe i did i don't know may- yeah yeah but like i was like it wasn't that bad i'm, I'm honest and like kind of i probably didn't help myself because i got kind of like cheeky because like john cusack was like all oh, you could ask me and i just saw it as a, a kind of shameless way to be like oh well john i would love to have you on the podcast to talk about your work in the frozen ground and con air like anytime you're up for it like let, 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 let's have let's have a chat and um uh yeah shortly after um he said like your guest was probably being a dick just like you or something <laughs> along those lines and 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 from that day yeah me, me and me and john cusack have been firm friends uh so i guess I will not be expecting him to be outside my window with a boombox anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know <laughs> what to think of John Cusack sometimes because, I mean, he's had run-ins with... Uh, I, I mean, I just don't know how... If he knows how to work Twitter properly. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he still uses Twitter. The last time I checked his page, um, like, you used to use Twitter back in the day. It's really weird. Like, the weird retweet like writing the rt and stuff it's it's really strange but um yeah and he also got into a weird thing of like i don't know just tweeting some things that were slightly anti-semitic as well which was kind of weird oh boy so i mean i don't know he's a weird dude um but i did see that he posted something from getting hit with uh, a baton last night uh, in la during during some of these riots so i don't know maybe karma i don't know but I've been blocked <laughs> via the podcast as well. So I'm early days as well. We got blocked by Yu Bull, who is a, a prolific bad video game director. And uh, uh, yeah, that is that is amazing. You bring that up because uh, that's something I started doing recently is kind of like trying to document like kind of these weird runnings I have in, in like a, in a blog, uh, just to kind of so I don't forget them as well. And I just think they were quite funny, but. I was going through all my old emails to see, like, oh, what weird run-ins have I had since doing this podcast? And I have a mass amount, like, I, yeah, of just back and forth between me and, like, Yui Bowl and one of his uh, 
like representatives because he at one point was supposed to direct like Nicolas Cage in a film. Oh, okay. And uh, um, very quickly, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this this interview. Like, I do, <laughs> I do, I do, I, do I, I will happily say it. I, I do not like this guy. Like, it was very much yeah. like. He's, for the next ten episodes, yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a weird guy. He's, he's a bit, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's a bit a bit, bit of a dick as well. He's kind yeah. of uh, got got the attitude of like a, a spoiled kid in the way that like he's called out film directors to fight him. He's like had these very he's had a very weird kind of career in film that like his films are bad they're really they're 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 really bad yeah like yeah i remember he he was like asking me can you please like if if for for like a 10 minute interview like can you subscribe to my like patreon or like donate money through like like a kickstarter for like his next film and like this is around the time he'd like launched like a YouTube that oh, was like God. kind of spouting like nonsense. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of that was questionable. And yeah, just asking me to like do all these ads for him, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't do ads. Do you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. do, I don't do any of that. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So, so sorry. So, sorry. I kind of. Uh, what, yeah. What happened with you, Bow? How come she got blocked? Well, I mean, we were doing like a video game episode and. Um like just about video game films and we particularly were talking about like you know street fighter and mortal kombat and stuff but we did like Mm -hmm. go through a list of like famous you know video game films the sonic movie was on the horizon the pokemon movie had just come out and uh the uh woman that was the guest on our podcast like works for the cinema she did like a little i don't know two minute clip about Yui Bowl because we didn't like talk about him on the podcast like it was just kind of like in our interview so I was just like oh yeah just shoot us a um, little clip if you want to like do something and you know we put it into the podcast and uh, I don't know I, I just tweeted it like we had something about you Bowl in there and and then like this account just came up and it was just like I don't know maybe 2,000 followers or something like that and you know it just said something like I don't know it's kind of like weird towards us and i just thought it was like you know a bot really you know or just like some weird fan who was pretending to be yui bull and i like said something kind of funny to him and then they replied back and um you know it was like oh you shouldn't talk to directors this way blah 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 like you know just and just talking crap about us but like <laughs> i just like uh <laughs> looked into it and i realized that it really was i'm pretty sure it was yui bull that and the reason why is followers were so low is because he's been blocked numerous times on twitter or like banned on twitter so he keeps creating new accounts and his restaurants because he's a restaurateur now like his restaurant started to like was like following him so i knew that that was like legit (laughs) and like i started reading like all the other stuff he was saying and i was gonna reply back like something like you know Cause I think he said something like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't treat people this way, blah, blah, blah. Like I, we didn't do anything to him really. It was just like, he's just so defensive. Um, cause he can't handle <laughs> criticism. And, uh, you know, like I was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, next time I meet an actual director, then I'll like, I'll be sure to be nicer to him. Cause like after I read the stuff that he was saying to all these people, you know, 
it was just like it kind of pissed me off like because it was around the time i'm a baseball fan i'm from america and I, there was a pitcher named yeah. uh tyler skaggs who who died and uh i think it was a drug overdose which is sad you know um but he passed away and his number was 45 and uh you know so donald trump's number well a presidential number is number 45 so he saw like number like rest in peace 45 and all this sort of stuff going around and he jumped on it immediately and just started like posting all this like crap about Trump and stuff. And all these people were just like, dude, this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. This is like a baseball player. <sighs> and then he just like, was just like, you know, calling them like the C word and you know, all, all sorts of stuff. And it was just like, dude, come on, man, just chill out. Like, and that's when I decided like, I'm just going to disrespect him for disrespecting us. So <laughs> yeah long story short he blocked me he blocked the podcast blocked my co-host but he didn't block the woman who did the whole thing and she was retweeting it and everything so i don't know it's a weird guy but i well, think that i'll be sure got blocked to as well so his account that account got kicked off of twitter again so <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to like um tweet him once this episode goes out uh and see see if see if uh See if I can re-spark the beef. Uh, I'll <laughs> 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 pile in and be like, I've, I've got some unfinished business with you, Yui, as well, mate. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so am- amazingly, yeah, both had these odd experiences with you, Bull, but, yeah, this, what did you make? What did you make of The Frozen Ground? Obviously, it's based on the true life story or the, the true life events of Robert Hansen, the... Uh, the notorious evil like is probably the best way to describe him serial uh yeah sexual offender like rapist mm. and murderer yeah um um frozen ground is a weird film like uh i didn't downright hate it but like i didn't like it at all <laughs> uh i felt like like there was some really bad directing going on um some weird editing and like actors phoning in performances really it's weird because like i don't know robert hansen who it's about uh i don't know i just feel like they didn't really you know they didn't really do anything to like get you into like what this person was and i don't know maybe cusack is probably the the wrong person to play him as well and I don't know if it's necessarily like his fault or anything. Like I've seen like people, you know, saying about Cusack's performance being really terrible in this film. And I don't think it was terrible. I just think it was just like, I don't know, like the direction was bad. Like it's a weird movie. Like it doesn't really sell who Robert Hansen was um, at all. Like, you know, you don't actually know who he is, period. I feel like you just kind of jump into the story and then the story just goes it, it, at almost breakneck speed, and you're just kind of like, "What the fuck is going on?" Well, well, for me, it felt like an episode of like Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, or like it, it had it had that element, and it kind of it felt confused whose like whose movie it was. Yeah, like it's because it's very much like the the poster for it missells it completely. Like, and it kind of said something to the kind of uh, I don't know the yeah the 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 patriarchy in the film industry anyway because like we get cage and cusack on the poster but Mm -hmm. it's like vanessa hudgens like gets 
like it's it's her story, right? It's yeah, her character's definitely. story. It's, it's Cindy's story. But even with that, it's it's very confused as to like it would make sense if it was a movie about this kind of like this survive like do you know what I mean? The one that got away from this fucking this monster. But then it it kind of muddies it with this story of like yeah, this composite character that kept well this kind of based on real real life character that yeah. Cage plays in uh uh Jack Holcomb. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, like it doesn't do enough, as you said, to like give us the the background on like Robert Hansen. So, so like it's it it yeah, like it's like with the cage stuff, it's like that cop like, oh, I'm trying to get out like of the. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to get out of being a cop, but like there's this case that's really like pulling me back, and it's stuff that works well in other movies. Yeah, but like. I felt like they had so much weight of like the the real life events that I don't know that they did they they didn't really do it they didn't, it's weird to say they didn't do it justice and obviously like that's 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 a weird thing to say not like it's not that I wanted to see like a play by play of the all of the murders that Hansen did but yeah. I just feel like maybe with like a, a lesser known actor or like if if they kind of had settled on who this is about do you know what i mean Cause... yeah definitely i mean it's funny because there's so many like good actors in this film like you know obviously you've got nicholas cage and you've got john cusack i mean there's some names and then vanessa hudgens was just kind of creeping her way into doing like serious yeah. film roles after her disney career so i mean obviously that was like a big thing like for her to be doing like something that's kind of like i don't know like a bit of a um i'm trying to think of the right word to say but you know just like a, it's a bit of a testy character for her like compared to like her pristine disney roles and stuff and then you've got like the the supporting actors like you know uh kevin dunn and uh oh what's his name um hank schrader from uh breaking bad yeah d- d- yeah, you've got Dean Norris. Yeah, in Dean there, Norris. And yeah, and it's just like it's Kurt weird. Fuller as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's like these guys are all there to be these great supporting pieces, but they're. I, 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 the thing is, I didn't know who anybody's name was in this film apart from Cindy and obviously Robert Hansen. Like, I really couldn't have told you what Nicolas Cage's name was in this film if you asked me. Like, until you said Jack Holcomb again, and then I was like, oh yeah, that that was it. I, I felt like there was no character building. <laughs> and like the whole no. thing with his like wife and stuff, you know, they just, it was just there, you know, it didn't matter. It was like, oh, I mean, it's so, uh, we can get into like the ending at some point, but I, I don't know. It's just so cheesy, the ending as well. Um, just her like, oh, yeah, you just go ahead and you catch that criminal and I'm going to go get my job because this is what, I mean, it's just like, oh God, this is, who wrote this? This is like, and it was the director who wrote it, Scott Walker. I mean, he's, I don't know what he's well, done well, since, he, but. <laughs> uh, he, he, well, I, I, he's done nothing since. Yeah. Uh, he, he's done a short before this and yeah, this is the only movie he's directed. And like, when I first saw the name Scott Walker, I, I got like, I got excited just because I'm, I'm a fan of the uh, the musician Scott Walker. And I was like, no, he yeah. couldn't have directed a film. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, the old the old man is back. Is like, I love that song. Uh, but uh, 
not that Scott Walker, unfortunately, yeah. guys. Uh, the 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 directing in this, like the camera work, especially, is bad. Isn't yeah, it? there's, there's it's some bad... so jarring. It's like I don't know. Like if you have problems with like motion sickness and stuff from watching films that the camera shakes a lot, like this is probably not going to be for you. <laughs> I, I yeah, I noticed at one point because like the kind of story of it is like well, we get these. We get these vignettes almost of uh, Robert Hansen out in like the wilderness, yeah. and like some of those moments, like I felt like this film needed to be like chilling. Not obviously does it set in the snow, but like mm-hmm. it could have really made you feel like icky and disgusting, and like do you know what I mean? Like that that has place like in 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 cinema, but yeah. like I don't know, like but in those moments when he's he's out in the wilderness, like. There was a shot that like really like jumped out at me, and it's like that classic seventies zoom, and it's like it just re- is really jarring, you mm-hmm. know, like that kind of like tight like we- Wes Anderson uses it like really well, and yeah, in this yeah. it was just like it just felt like a uh, a film student going like let's oh, see how that shot. goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a-, a-, a lot of it as well, and there's a lot of the shots just felt like like b-roll that yeah. it's like oh we, we need to pad this out a bit like there, there was one moment and it's just a shot of an office and it's like really shaky and it's like well this is not it's, there's no effect to this like yeah it's a shot of like an empty office and it's kind of it sounds like there's some adr of like nick cage in an interview room yeah and it's like why are you showing I don't, this? I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's like, there's moments when it's like out in the dark, like in these like hallways and like in these motels and that. And it's just terribly lit. Yeah. You can't like, see anything. And yeah. Uh, which is a real shame because, uh, yeah, one of the actors that we didn't mention that is in this is 50 Cent. Yeah. Playing, play, like perfectly playing, uh, a PIMP, which uh, obviously, like, help, yeah, playing a pimp, which uh, for for those of you who may remember, was uh, a hit for Fifty Cent in the start <laughs> of his career. So, yeah. so he find he finally got to kind of live live that, live that real life that he used to rap about all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, in 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 very much, he looks like uh, like I don't know, like a he's gone as in fancy dress as like superfly yeah like his, his hair is like wild in of... this film pretty weird actually when he first came on screen i didn't really recognize him and i knew he was supposed to be in it and i knew he's produced the film as well which is uh interesting i didn't really look into that i just saw that he was a producer so but yeah when he showed up i was just like oh shit that's 50 cent weird curtis jackson all right <laughs> It's a, it's a very yeah. It's there's a lot of weird weird choices in this. Mm-hmm. Like obviously this could have been played in the way of like a, a mystery, but it felt like because they had Cusack in in that role of Robert Hansen, like it could have worked serviceably well as I don't in the way of like a a seven. Do you know what I mean? Of yeah. Like you don't know you don't know who the killer is till the third act. Yeah. Like or and or or it could have worked in that yeah like i don't know it's 
famously in, in Columbo, we always used to see that, like, you see who the killer is from the get-go, but that, that was always still, like, entertaining and, like, I, I don't know, like, you kind of went along with the ride, whereas yeah. this, like, not a lot, re- n- like, really not a lot happens. It kind of feels like we, we join, like, from doing the research into the Robert Hansen case, we, we join it at a very, like, weird point in the case like it's it's very much nearly sold yeah it's 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 the tail end of it and there's a lot to robert hansen's story that they only sort of gloss over in this film and it's like done really badly as well so it's very confusing um i mean there's so much even from the get-go of like cindy being found by the cops at the beginning of the film it's really confusing like she's handcuffed there and they find her and then you know they just go on about the story and later she's like talking to i believe it was to nicholas cage and she's like oh i escaped from his car and i was like but they found you in the hotel what 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 are you talking about you escaped from his car and then i looked it up and in real life what actually happened was that she was in his car and he was setting up the plane like she says in the film and she escaped but she got picked up by a trucker. He took her to a uh, hotel, yes. and then the hotel clerk uh, co- like called a cab for her, and she got like a ride over to the hotel where Fifty Cent's character had been staying, her pimp. And the truck driver went to work, but he called the police, and the police showed up to that hotel that he dropped her off at, and they were like, oh, well, she's gone to this other hotel, and then that's where the police go to that hotel, and they find her still in handcuffs inside of this room. But, like, they didn't explain that at all, and it's so confusing. Like, there's so many instances of that happening in this film where it's just like, what are you, what's going on? And I found it really... Well, there's... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, there's that, and it's when she's telling, like, Nicolas Cage the story of, like, her capture, and it's it's set against this scene of uh, Robert Hansen's like latest victim. Yeah. And like that, that's really confusing as well, because like the actress they've got, I guess they're probably trying to make a statement that like Robert Hansen had a type yeah, yeah. of like woman, uh, of woman that he, he killed, but it's just, she looks exactly it, like Vanessa Hudgens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, weird. it was, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, they've got the, the, the girl who was like, working as like her stand-in and gone yeah. like perfect <laughs> like you 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 are great for lighting you'll yeah. be great for this scene that is like in any other movie would have just been a flashback do you know what i mean obviously yeah. like but obviously I, you can that's the thing you can see what they're trying to do but it's like it just felt like with the the john cusack thing like he's obviously like like shit we've got a name We've got to give him like as much screen as much screen time. Do you know what I mean? Like we've we've set up this thread that he's picked up this new girl, and that obviously Cindy, it, it, the way the way the real the real life went, that she, like do you know what I mean? He did carry on afterwards, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like it's it's very much not made under committee in the way that like there's a lot of like fingers in the pot or, or like a lot of yeah too many cooks in the kitchen it's it's more like it's very muddled and like they're trying to stay true to the the real events but even that i feel like there's an element in it that that death like we we're introduced to a character of like an accomplice that robert hansen had yeah and from 
all of the research I did, I, there, there's no reference of yeah, this there's none kind of <laughs> this this kind yeah this this yeah. kind of bounty hunter that he like employs to 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 capture her, and it's just like right. So you're taking creative license on something like that, like which is a big which is a like do you know what I mean like which if anything like if if people were to get offended by anything who were like affected by this or like Jermaine were the people involved in the real life incidents yeah surely that is something they have more right to be Jermaine because it's quite damning to be like to imply that there was an accomplice in some way that is total bullshit yeah (laughs) it it, I don't know it's weird because like the thing about Robert Hansen is that like in real life he was actually more of a nerd and he was like yes he had really bad acne, a really bad speech impediment, and they just didn't really sell that at all in this film. And like you were saying earlier, like you don't want, I don't know, it's not like you want to be glorifying this guy and what he's done and stuff, but I mean, I just I just feel like this film didn't know what it wanted it to be if it was like, oh, we're going to be a procedural, you know, police drama. And then like two minutes later, it's like, we're trying to be a thriller, you know, and that's like adding in this whole thing with this like, this extra guy and it makes more sense if you had Robert Hansen actually being like a small little nerd guy that he might have like an accomplice. But I mean, when you're shown it's John Cusack, who's pretty a normal looking guy who looks pretty capable in this film as well. I mean, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And I, I don't know, like you said, there's probably too much Cusack and stuff in this film. It probably would have been better if it was someone else like doing it, who is kind of a unknown person or if it was Cusack, just let him, I don't know, like, he doesn't need to, ha- to have that much screen time. And if he does, you know, just do it in a different way. Like, maybe, I don't know, have it a little bit more mysterious. Like, just show some kind of, I don't know, like, just glimpses of him. Like, you know, I, I would say do it like the way, you know, I always think Jaws is like such a perfect way to unveil a monster where you just like give sneak peeks of it, just like throughout the film and then towards the end it's just like bam there you go there's your monster and it's just like the final showdown and that like a film like this could have definitely you know you know really benefited from that style storytelling i i just don't think they knew what they were doing (laughs) yeah because it 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 felt like uh, and obviously like in the research i i'm kind of glad i did the research on the real real life robert hansen because i feel like going into this movie with that kind of backstory i understood things a lot more yeah definitely. than if i'd like yeah. just cut commenters like because we don't get really that sense of anchorage alaska that mm-hmm. like it was this town that had this economic boom uh through like was it like oil like mining oil or like oil yeah, yeah yeah mining yeah i think so yeah and and that is why it kind of had this like seedy strip of like mm-hmm this seedy town of all these like strippers and it had kind of no reference to like this mob connection that the town had and like that again would have been a a really interesting angle and like i i can only think that this is a story that would have much been served better on on tv obviously like this came out in 2013 so just kind of a nick before that like big boom of like serialized television and Mm -hmm. a big boom before like true crime really took off yeah definitely but it didn't it didn't have that i don't know it was it's 
very, very, very muddled. Yeah. Like very muddled movie. And it's like, there's even Cage. So yeah. What did you think of Cage's performance in this movie? Like, I feel like he did as best as he could with what he had, but I mean, it's very much a non Nick Cage performance. I mean, like you could have had uh, same thing with Cusack, really. I mean, you could have had anybody in that role and you still would have had the same like end product. I feel like, like there's nothing that really screams like this is a Nick Cage film that's worth watching or just a Nick Cage film period, you know? Besides the fact of him just living and breathing inside of it, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I can almost understand why he would want to go for the role, like in the way that it's like something different. It's playing like a, a real life character who like and it, like, but it feels like even his performance and like is bogged down in like kind of the the weight of the actual events, and yeah. it's like. Like he, I don't know. It's almost like I imagine, yeah, from the kind of perception you get of Nicolas Cage, like he's somebody who kind of believes in, I don't know, spirituality in in some form or whatever. And it's almost like he, yeah, you could see this kind of like hesitance to really like go like, oh, I can't really go like my full usual self. And like, he, yeah, he's mentioned in interviews that he spoke to the guy that the character is based on, and mm-hmm. like obviously i don't know but he's doing weird things with his voices at times in this like sometimes he's like going really deep and like i wrote in my notes it sounds like the voice that kevin McAllister uses on his talk boy when he's booking the (laughs) hotel room it's like he's doing that kind of like this is mr McAllister," (laughs) and it's just it's not all the time like obviously like yeah cage is trying to like give it the gravity and like that it, it always lends itself to like a, a I don't know a boring performance. Like yeah, definitely. A, a, yeah, like another movie in which th- this happens is Left Behind. Yeah, and that it's yeah. like he's like he's like almost scared of the text itself. Like with this, it's a, a harrowing like true life event, and in, in that, it's like oh, it's 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 for the Christians. Like I don't want to offend anyone, and it's you can. I don't know. It, you could, it, the performance reeks of that, and it's yeah. It's, I don't I th- know what he would have thought going into this. I mean, to be honest, like he probably would have been better served playing the bad guy in this film. But at the same time, that wouldn't have. I I, I don't know. It wouldn't have worked because he wouldn't have looked like Robert Hansen at all. He really is just mm. too big to be Robert Hansen. But at the same time, like. John Cusack is as well. Just putting like horned rim glasses on Cusack doesn't really do anything to really go, oh, that looks like Robert Hansen. So, I mean, they obviously didn't care about that. So, I mean, I feel like, yeah, this is like, obviously Nick Cage can do a good guy performance. He's done it plenty of times in his career and he's done it really well. But he also needs like, I think at this point in his career, it's like, it's hard for him to like, I mean, I know this was quite a few years ago now, but like, at this point in his career, it's hard to take Nicolas Cage doing good guy serious, um, like a serious good guy serious, because he has just made a career of doing like kind of the wild characters and him being a good guy, he almost needs a bit of an edge to him. And there was no edge to this guy at all. Like, I didn't well, it's he, a really interesting... don't know anything about him, really. So, 
Yeah, and it, I always love to look at the films in context of like when they came out, and obviously like this is 2013, so mm. the year before was like stolen, which I I personally see as like again playing a good guy, but I see it as like I don't know that that one for me really hit me in a a sweet spot, and I really enjoyed it, but yeah. I don't think it's uh, well well received by a lot of people. <laughs> uh, but like the same year as this is Joe, which is like possibly one of the best Nicolas Cage films that's ever, ever like and like to your point of him there being no character Joe is all character yeah you know I mean he plays this good guy but he's got that edge mm-hmm. and he's he's 3D like do you know yeah. I mean? he's trying to do right and like I the character study in that whereas this it's just like you're playing good guy cop you have a couple of like issues at home you have a daughter who we never see yeah like like, so it's like i don't like i don't don't know know. anything about what job he want he was going to like you're supposed to be like be led to believe that he's like leaving his job and they're maybe moving house or something like that and you don't know anything about him you don't know what makes him tick you don't know like with the exception of like maybe it's the case that makes him tick or the mystery, but like I don't know anything about this guy. Like I said, I barely knew his name. I only knew his wife's name was Allie because at one point in the film he did say Allie. But like I don't know anything about him or his wife or Yeah, I mean, it's weird because with films like this, like if you're thinking about like a really good film that like really and I mean, you know, this film could have done wonders if it was directed by someone like a david fincher but if you're thinking about like because mine hunter is really popular now and then before mine hunter there was zodiac if you want to get into that whole like you know the chase of a serial killer and obviously what this film was wanting to do at times but then at the same time it was getting bogged down with like the idea that it needed to be sort of procedural keep to like the true crime element and the facts and all that. But at the same time, we want to make it thrilling. So let's make Cindy the center of attention. And like the whole story about the, like, you know, her being the one that got away and Robert Hansen wants to chase her down. And I think that's just where they lost everything. And, but like, if you think about something like Zodiac, like just how good they make the characters in that film, particularly like Jake Gyllenhaal, just how good his character is fleshed out like the whole thing of him getting married and having the you know the wife and everything is just like you know the kid and all that like it's just everything about his character is just like building up to a point where he's just become so obsessed about this case that it just unravels his whole life around him and he just continues to go as everything is just like falling off the branch and he's just like still there but then like if you look at this film it's like Nicolas Cage is just there it's like everything's just there and one thing that I always I thought was really weird about this I don't know if you noticed it it's like the type of film where the director decides that every piece of new information must be given to you in that given scene like to advance it to the next scene like there's very Mm -hmm. few instances of a scene going from okay that scene has closure to the like a new scene starting and then it just feels so jarring because you'd, you'd be in like you know, they'd be talking to, you know, uh, Robert Hansen or something like that inside the conference room or they'd be talking to Cindy or something. And then someone just walks in with a note or someone says, oh, there's a call for you. <laughs> it's like constantly yeah, well, like, it's like, oh, my God, this is so annoying. <laughs> well, it's 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 all tell. It's, yeah, it's all tell. There's no like, do you know what I mean? there's no like real 
like visual storytelling in this movie. It's yeah, like, definitely. It's all, it's all it's all just people having conversations and like I don't know, just kind of cliched tropes of like definitely like there's a mo- there's a moment where Cindy's like kind of wants to back out of like do you know what I mean she's like wants to oh uh, maybe I don't want to like pursue this whole mm. thing of like Robert Hansen then like Cage is like well I I I had a sister who who died like, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Oh God. It's that scene that I laugh so hard at that scene because it's so badly done. It's just like his only way to stop her from walking away is just to be like, because she, I don't know. It's just like lazy. Like, oh, you had a sister. Is that your sister? And then he just won't talk about it. And he's like, oh, my sister. It's like, oh my God, dude. (laughs) That, that is, that is, that is his like, person like personality as a character is like i've got a dead sister like that is kind of it and like yeah whilst looking on imdb like this movie there's a lot of like there's a lot of errors a lot of like goofs uh in that there's just stuff like there's flat screen tvs there's a trip advisor sticker on uh. like um like there's 2005 ford trucks there's like yeah. loads of cars there's like loads of stuff. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. like, I was watching the film and I was just like thinking that this was wrong. Like every, like, well, I kind of forgot about it, I guess. I forgot that it was supposed to be in the eighties, but then after the film, I was like, wait, wasn't that supposed to be in the eighties and nothing about it felt like it would have been like the really early eighties or the late seventies. It was just like, it was, it was like, could have been 2005. You know, it could have been like, <laughs> It was so yeah, yeah horrible. Like e- <laughs> even like the, which is weird because there's like there's some details they've really gone to town with. So like Hanson's home, they used his actual house, huh. and like they they used like the exact model of gun and like the exact model of plane. But then yeah, the RV he's got is a 1990 or 91 Subaru Legacy. And it's like, all right, so you've like, it's just like, I don't know, In so it kind of sums up the, like that kind of stuff sums up the movie. And yeah. in some places they're, they're really happy to go like, oh, we've got the details. And like some of the trivia says like, oh, when you see the photos, like when Cage is going through like all the, all the different like girls that have gone missing, their photos of the real women that went uh, missing and it's like well i don't give a shit about i don't give a shit about that because you've like i don't know you're not doing anything to progress this the story a lot of the time yeah and like you're you're just making all these mistakes in other parts of it that just don't really like it's it's not as satisfying and yeah you saying about Z- zodiac and just kind of this is a missed opportunity, which like brings me to well, perfectly an IMDb uh, review of this, just called "Wasted Opportunity," and I I really like the kind of moxie on this guy. His name's uh, Mike ID has been taken. Um, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> and I, I I don't know what Mike does for a job, but yeah, I, I very much like his kind of uh, dogged determination, and that he 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 has this to say. I'd always thought about making a movie about robin ha- uh, robert hansen and that would be amazing i thought if i ever somehow became a filmmaker with a few dozen million in the bank 
I'd make it myself. So when I heard it was coming out, I was first disappointed that someone else had beat me to it, but second, excited to what what should be a great film. This was not what I expected. This was just boring. So boring, I stopped watching after half an hour, but returned to finish it, hoping it would come to life towards the end. It didn't. Too much of the film was wasted on Nicolas Cage looking confused. Boring film. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that, that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I very much like, yeah, uh, Mike's ID uh, has been taken, uh, that, that he kind of felt like, oh, maybe one day I'd, I'd fall into becoming yeah. a filmmaker with a, with a few a few million dollars in the bank to to make this but uh i mean that kind of nailed it yeah i mean that's exactly what it seems like someone like scott walker did i i do wonder you know after hearing what you've been saying and stuff and you just start to reflect on the film and you said that they were using actual you know locations and uh actual photos and all that and it makes you wonder if maybe Scott Walker is more so just like a fan of this of this crime itself in a weird, almost like weird fetishy way and mm-hmm. is happy to get those elements out there. Although he didn't like nail them all together because he had to write a story and try to like, you know, piece together a story that he thought would, you know, tie everything together, which it doesn't. Um, but, you know, whatever like we can move past that he's not a talented writer or director but if you think about like just the elements of all uh, like the the whole true crime element of it and everything about it and then just what he did at the end of the film where he had all the photos like so when the credits hit it's like all the photos of the victims and stuff and it just it didn't come off in oh for me at least it didn't come off in this sort of like i don't know respectful way it kind of came off a bit gross and a bit like I don't know. I just didn't feel like there was any respect there for for those victims at all. It just kind of felt very exploitative. So I don't know. Well, I th- I think one of the biggest like disrespects uh, was the use of the uh, the songs called Me- uh, Me- Me- Memory Finds You by Nathan Picard and the Vacancy, mm. and it's 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 a god awful song and like it's ter like it's oh I fucking hated it and I was just like. Like for these, for for the real victims' memories to be to have your pictures like, do you know what I mean? Like scrolling across with yeah. this this song playing underneath is is a massive disservice. I think the yeah. only way I can kind of describe the song is that of like you would imagine on like a a Windows Movie Maker like <laughs> sl- slideshow kind yeah. of done to to commemorate like that the end of school. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like. Definitely. It definitely had the that choice. Like, oh, I'm just using stock effects in uh, yes. an iMovie or something. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 weird. Like it's weird. Like for me, because I was like, I I need to look at this in just like a mo a, like as a movie. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like because obviously, like you can you can look at it from two ways. You can like, but this was never going to be like the robert hansen true crime podcast like because because well that's been done to death as well yeah, and definitely. uh obviously this is well 
this is a a, a, a form a format that's been done to death as well the uh the nicholas cage podcast but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter I, I i started this journey i'm gonna fucking end it yeah, uh, may as well. keep going <laughs> but um yeah was there any moments that like really shot out for you like i think there was there was one one scene that i was like oh this is this is this has got me and then two minutes later the film was over um are you talking about the very ends like when they were doing the reveal of of all the um of all the uh well there was the fake reveal of evidence that nick cage tried to pull it was i thought that yeah was, yeah that was like it had moments uh, i you yeah know, yeah but before that though i will say that like the choice to do the film in alaska was pretty ballsy and yeah uh, there were some elements to like the choice of using Alaska. And I know he was trying to do it towards the end of the, I think it was towards the end of the autumn. So that winter would really start to kick in up there and they were losing daylight when they were doing the film. And you do notice it towards the end. There's that scene like where uh, Vanessa Hudgens character, Cindy, like sees that elk out in the middle of the street when she's sort of running and then it's like you know just feels really cold like and it's just like everything is just kind of like you know closing around her and stuff that was like kind of a nice touch that was the only sort of thing that like sort of felt like you know it was more so the environment not like that cliche shot because that shot was pretty cliche (laughs) the whole like oh i see the see the animal and oh he's like me we're wild but we're like stuck in this this trap situation <laughs> but um but like it was more so the environment around her that was nice like uh, you know it's it must have been tough to shoot in something like alaska because it's fucking cold as shit there but but to the to the point of like yeah like scott walker like delayed the shooting for five months like, yeah to have it like so it was in full like even that like just reeks of of a an unexperienced director definitely right? and that like obviously like he's kind of uh putting quality to the wayside uh, just kind of this almost like student filmmaker idea of like (laughs) wouldn't it be cool if like it actually was winter and it's like yeah but like for working days you're 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 creating like natural barrier yeah losing losing three hours of light a day just so that you can make it seem more like winter (laughs) yeah just to say like yeah but it's, it's really authentic and it's like yeah but you like people people have done stuff like i'm not saying do the movie in front of a green screen but like people have done stuff like do you know what i mean at a more yeah, yeah, reasonable I mean, there's plenty type of, yeah there's plenty of things you could do like to make it seem a little bit more like winter yeah like <laughs> i'm sure I mean, like I, yeah like, i guess can, he was can, like can, trying can to do that can, passage of time thing with the story as well but i mean it's just, like mm-hmm. kind of silly but well, yeah, I I didn't I didn't re- you don't really get a sense of the passage of time in this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be I, I I wasn't sure whether it was like over a month or like it, it just felt like it was literally like a week. Yeah, like, definitely. It, it like at one moment I think I like looked away for like a, a minute or something or and it I was just like I don't I, when is this? Like I think it was like just in the the opening moments like you you were saying like way back about the the uh 
the kind of yeah reveal of uh cindy like getting away and stuff like that and i was like has there been a jump in time here? like it's just <laughs> yeah. like yeah and it's like that's within the so, first so confusing <laughs> and it's i don't know i don't know well yeah this feels like I, I don't know what else really yeah but probably to speak about that like that confession scene it, it like it has mm. got them tense moments and like it kind of we get that burst of like acting from Cusack when like yeah I don't know he, he gets to deliver like his kind of like he, when he's seen for the kind of monster that he is but it's like I don't know I think that would have again like back to the point of the, if this film was kind of more of like a, a puzzle box of a movie and kind of like presented itself in a different way but like from pretty much the opening scene we know that he's the bad guy so like that doesn't have the punch and the impact that it could have had if like do you know what I mean like if they had lent it, it and, and to me it felt like the kind of um the scene in Dexter with John Lithgow when he's at like the dinner table like oh, yeah. maybe it's just the use of the c word but like that kind of like and i guess like similar characters as well and like i don't think they kind of pushed enough in this at how much robert hansen like a was like more weedy but like the fact that he was like a pillar of the community they kind of mm. do it like one shot of it of like him kind of like like walking down the street maybe like saying hello to a few people and like going to his yeah. bakery but then the rest of it we just see him like either looking really shady in his cabin or like in a strip club like do you know what i mean like looking yeah yeah i mean they like, I, I feel like they just glossed over everything like they he it was like obviously obvious that this guy like scott walker like did enough homework to know like the you know the the pieces of this the story and he just kind of like put them there and just like lazily like you know weaved his way through it because it's he only glossed over so many of these things like like you're saying about him being a pillar of the community and like i think the thing that really would have helped a little bit more is maybe just like do a few more like suspects because there would have been more suspects there would have been you know it's the, the fact that you know that you know that it's john cusack is okay but it's the fact that you know nicholas cage's character knows that it's john cusack from the beginning and, it, and he's yeah. like just got him dead to rights from from the very beginning and he's just pursuing him and that like works in some capacities but in this film it just didn't work out because like they didn't there's not enough thrill there for the chase like it's literally just like I don't know the way time passes in this film, the way the scenes change, it's just like the editing's really all over the place. Like, so it didn't really work out like as this great chase or anything. Cause like Hanson was always kind of there. And then they, yeah. that speed, like, well, sorry, the roadblock that was always in Nicholas Cage's way was the fact that the people didn't necessarily, you know, his superiors didn't believe him. And they're like, Oh, well we can't go after this guy. He's a pillar of the community. You know, Robert Hanson, if he, if, if you don't have it, then, you know, he walks. If you don't have the evidence, then he walks. I can't just give you, like, you know, a warrant right now. Like, you need, I need evidence. And that's just, like, I feel like he's just literally just been watching way too much, like, you know, CSI or Law and Order or something like that. You know, <laughs> just, like, just, oh, I've got to, like, write this in because that's what they would say. But, I mean, there would be numerous suspects. And the whole thing with, they sort of 
glazed over and I will give them a slight bit of respect for of how they sort of answered it was there was a moment where he talks about talking to like the behavioral science guy in FBI and how uh, they made the profile for Robert Hansen. And he basically verbatim of what this person gave him in real life, this person being John Douglas, who wrote the whole Mindhunter book, which that yes. series is based on. Uh, the John Douglas guy gave this, the real life character, uh, the real life uh, state trooper, in Alaska, the actual thing that Nicolas Cage read out, like basically, you know, that he would have a speech impediment and all that sort of stuff and his wife may not know, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, like, they just glossed over it so quickly and that could have been a lot more interesting and stuff. And you know there would have been a hell of a lot more people who were uh, on the suspect list, but Nicolas Cage just knew immediately that that was, oh, well, it's him, it's Hanson, it's Hanson. You know, this yeah. is Hanson. So they don't cross-reference it with anyone else. There's no checking to see, and that could have given you a little bit more mystery. Because it's not like everyone who's watching this film knows who Robert Hanson is. He's not like, you know, the, the, the most sexy, like, serial killer out there that people know about. You know, he's a lesser-known yeah, serial killer, so people would have looked at it as more of a, like, a, a mystery film. They wouldn't have known, you know. Exactly. Know. He's, not, he's, not, he's not like a, a BTK or a, yeah. or a Zodiac. or Yeah, he's not, he's not got that, that, that cachet. I don't, you know, that serial killers have ca Not that serial killers have cachet. In I'm not saying there's like some kind of top trumps of serial killers. Yeah, but yeah. 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 <laughs> Hopefully you get the point. And like you said, even if there wasn't other suspects, um, they've taken creative license in other ways. And it, it felt like just in a storytelling way, like taking that creative license as to create a suspect mm. would have made it for a far more enjoyable and tense ride. Like, None of this. Like I, I, I like to feel like uneasy when watching this. Like yeah, you mentioned Zodiac and like there's something like there's like a morbid curiosity in me with that. Like I've watched it I watched it once. I watched it like during the day and it like really creeped me out. Yeah. But I've all always had this like niggling urge in the back of me to be like, oh, I really wanna really want to watch zodiac again to feel that to yeah. feel that feeling if you know what i mean like whereas this it's like i don't know they're going we know who the bad guy is from the from, yeah we know who the killer is from the beginning and just doesn't i don't know it, it at the same time doesn't do the real life uh like events justice and mm -hmm. at the same time offends it do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like it's definitely. quite, it's quite offensive to the to to what to what happened. Um, so, would you recommend people watch the Frozen Ground? Uh, <laughs> I think we know the answer. Yeah, I would, I would, I, I would, I would give it a miss. I mean, if you're if you want to watch a like, you know, we've been talking about Zodiac. Go watch Zodiac. Go watch Mindhunter. If you want to like, feel a bit, you know unsure of what's going to happen around the corner and you actually want to get a nice like you know mystery out of it then uh yeah don't watch this film because <laughs> it's not going to do much yeah. for you um it's a I, weird I, one i would definitely say instead of like watching this movie about the robert hansen case uh listen to the all killer no filler podcast uh two fa uh 
fabulous comedians, Kiri Pritchard McLean and Rachel Fairburn, the like kind of mm. respectful yet like yeah, comedy based kind of telling of like these true crime stories in like yeah. kind of a way that a lot of them don't do and like that is far more like informative and enjoying than this movie. Yeah. Uh, I've got my and, own as well. Mine would be uh, the last podcast on the left, which is another yes. funny uh, comedy-based true crime slash all sorts of weird weirdness uh, yes. podcast. <laughs> and they they have a two part uh, two parter on Robert Hansen that's just like way more informative and better than this film. <laughs> Amazing. Well, before we wrap things up completely, I mm-hmm. have this odd scoring system. I'm compiling the data to find out what I'm going to do with it once I've seen all the Nicolas Cage films and they are as such. Does Nick Cage have bad hair in this movie? I mean, sort of in the fact that he just, it just kind of looks like the way Nick Cage's hair looks like now. And it's just kind of like <laughs> bad aging Nick, Nick Cage hair. But I mean, there's nothing like, it's pretty, it's pretty tame. So yes. not necessarily. <laughs> um. And does he do anything crazy with his voice? As we've said, as we've mentioned before, Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, not at all. War. No, yeah, yeah. Like no. there is a scene. There was a couple of those like moments where it, I, th- I kind of remember him talking to his wife at a point where he, he kind, kind does those weird flexions. You know, like where you think he's going to yeah. cage, do a little cage for us, and he starts to kind of give those little things, but he just never really goes for it. So. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> and obviously we get a we get a freak out from John Cusack in this, but yeah. do we get a freak out from Nicolas Cage? Not at all. <laughs> no. Absolutely like the, the not. Only, the closest I think we get is there's a moment when he's looking for Cindy and he's in a strip club and like he kind of like I don't he like accosts a woman. Doesn't he? He's like, he's like, oh yeah, sinner. Like he kind, he kind of like, he gets, it gets slightly impassioned, but we don't kind of get. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's we not, don't get. Yeah, it's nothing like right home about that that little freak out. You don't really no. get the classic well, yeah. like cage freak well, out. It's, it, it's no, it's no crying, crying in your pants, downing vodka <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah, no like, <laughs> which is kind of the the new gold standard of yeah. uh, cage freak. Well, I mean, um, even if you get 25% of that, you're having a good freak out. And this doesn't even get like, there's less than 0.01% you know, chance that you're going to have anything resembling a freak out in this film. <laughs> 100%. Well, um, this feels like a perfect place to leave it. But before you go, Jonathan, where can people like keep up to date with everything that's happening with the Prince Charles cinema? And more importantly, what's happening with the podcast? Obviously, the Pod Charles Cine cast. I forgot. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, that's the, right. yeah, the Pod Charles Cine cast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very confusing name. Yeah, for the Prince Charles Cinema, obviously, just uh, go to the at the PCC London on Twitter or Prince Charles Cinema on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to get on our email list, um, you just go to princecharlescinema.com. That's where all of our films are going to be on sale. I mean, obviously, right now we're trying to. Do as much as we can to keep keep what's remaining of our program for the rest of the year like intact, and uh, we're trying to keep people updated there. But you can see there's a mailing list icon on the 
top of the page pretty much like you'll see it and uh you can join our mailing list and you can keep up to date with what's going on and hopefully when we'll open we'll have some news but uh for the podcast itself i mean we're a weekly podcast for the cinema since the lockdown started we just kind of been keeping that going as well uh we're at the pcc podcast on twitter and instagram uh we're available everywhere everywhere you get your podcast so you can find us there and if you want to support the podcast we do have a patreon patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast where we're giving like bonus episodes every month and uh i think going forward we're going to try to do two a month so it's yeah good stuff amazing well yeah i would implore anyone to either like get 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 a membership now like uh, definitely what is it it's t- 10 pounds for the year or 60 pound for for a whole a whole lifetime and yeah. it's like especially if you live in or around london like it's 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 yeah i'll i'll say this obviously without it sounded like a, a salesman pitch like cause obviously i don't work there but it's it's very much you'll get an experience like the cinema experience is like amazing anyway and i, I feel like cinema is something we shouldn't lose uh, that kind of communal experience but the prince charles cinema gives you something extra and more and the fact that if you've got this like yeah if you've got this niche kind of interest in film whether it is uh, a nicholas cage all-nighter or it's uh going to see the room like which yeah. obviously yeah <laughs> like like you're you're going to you're going to be in and amongst like-minded people and like i think that is what cinema is about and yeah i i i very much like yeah love love the prince Charles cinema for that and yeah which like, is important for me especially in this time to to speak to yourself because it's some like cinema is something i'm passionate about and yeah mm. especially especially the prince charles um so oh, cheers, yeah man. jonathan it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast yeah thanks a lot man thanks for having me on um maybe you can come pay us a visit someday <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about Nick Cage anymore, but um, maybe something <laughs> else. <laughs> Amazing! Yeah. Uh, that would be that would be an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, again, when the cinemas are back open, guys, make your way down to Prince Charles Cinema. Yeah, you said it best, man. Like, just it's an experience, place to be. Um, if you're unsure of how cinema, you know, how the Prince Charles cinema actually is, I mean, you just need to go. You can get lost in a film, and then when you come out on the other side, you'll realize that you've just had an experience with all the other people who are right there with you. So, definitely go. There you go, guys. There was my conversation with Jonathan from the fantastic Podchild Cinecast. I would recommend wholeheartedly to check out those guys. Sign up to their Patreon and just listen to their podcast because every week they just have interesting insights to great films. And off the back of talking about this, I'm not sure if it was inspired by this conversation, but they have a fantastic episode on David Fincher's zodiac which i would definitely recommend as well as a whole host of other amazing episodes both jonathan and phil his co-host are amazing amazing podcasters and it's just i don't know you get that real sense of joy for cinema and i hope you got that through this episode um 
If you felt any differently about this film, if you loved it, if you thought, oh, you know what? The Frozen Ground is my favourite Nick Cage film. Well, you can argue with me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, all at Caged In Pod. That's at Caged In Pod. Or you can send me an email. You can get a bit more personal, get a bit more deep. You can not have that character restriction or just i don't know you don't have that public platform you can dm me on all of those as well i will i will respond but you can email which is cagedinpod at gmail.com as i've been saying for the last few weeks and as i'll say for forever you can subscribe to the patreon but i don't want that i want you please to donate your money to charity i want you to donate your money to black lives matters charity because more than ever this fight isn't just the week isn't just the black square it is ongoing all you people out there all lives matter if you're listening to this before all lives matter remember all lives can't matter until black lives matter okay so let's just do what we can let's just spread the word let's just donate money let's just like spread the cause and Let's just make things equal for everyone. It shouldn't be that hard. It should be simple. So, as always, I've been Petrus Patsilus. I've been caged in. You have been amazing. And I will talk to you next week when I will be looking at... Oh, it's a good one. It's Joe. 2014's Joe. And I will be joined by none other then Joe Mel of Those Movie Guys podcast, who are at the moment drawing down to the end of their tenure, a very sad day for podcast fans like myself. But let's see him out and listen to next week's episode and give him all the love that he deserves. So as always, you've been amazing. Love you. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.